and good morning. Welcome to another exciting broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. It is so great to have you tuned in to the program today. Um, <laughs> I tell you, I'm recording this uh, particular podcast on the 23rd day of December uh, 2020. That's a Wednesday. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve and the next day is Christmas Day and... <laughs> As I promised on the last podcast, we're going to take a couple of podcasts here and focus on the Christmas season, and then we'll get back into our regular Bible study series, which in this case is the Gospel of Mark. But uh, today we're going to take a look at the rest of the Christmas story. Last time we took a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We talked about that incredible journey that Mary and Joseph made from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which, like I say, is a distance of about 90 miles, and uh, it was a, a good long ways, and it would have taken at least three or four days uh, to walk that distance. And, uh, and of course, in Mary's situation, that was especially hard, given that she was in the last few days of her pregnancy. And... Um, and the thing about it is, the reason they did it was because there was this Roman decree from Caesar Augustus that all had to go to the war, go to the city of their birth to be taxed. This, this was a census tax, and uh, in this case, Joseph had to take Mary with him to Bethlehem for this census tax, and uh, that's why they made this incredible trip. It would have been much simpler for Mary and Joseph just to stay in Nazareth. But had they done that, then Old Testament prophecy would not have been fulfilled. Old Testament prophecy indicated that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, not Nazareth. And if he had been born in Nazareth instead of Bethlehem, you can imagine all the skeptics of the world <laughs> would say, now, see here, you know, the Bible said he would be born in Bethlehem, and here he is being born in Nazareth. How do you reconcile that? But Jesus was born in Bethlehem exactly where Old Testament prophets said that he would be born. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, today we come to the rest of the story, as they say. You know, Paul Harvey, the famous uh, news commentator of years gone by, he used to uh, have a favorite comment of his, and it said something like this, and now the rest of the story. And he would always pick out these interesting bits and pieces in the news, items that had been rejected by most of the news media, and he made some very interesting stories out of it. <laughs> and, and by the way, this time of year especially, I think about Paul Harvey and the birds. Um, he had a very interesting a uh, story that he told about this man who was not a believer, and he had an encounter with these birds, and a snowstorm came up, and he wanted to try to usher the birds into the barn where it was warm, and they would be protected, but the birds wouldn't go. Every time he would go and try to wave them into the barn, they, they would not go. They were afraid of them. Then all of a sudden he thought, well, if only I could become as one of them. <laughs> and then it dawned on him, that's what Christmas is all about. Christ became as one of us, so he could show us the way. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
Praise the Lord. If you haven't heard that uh, story about Paul Harvey and the birds, I hope that you'll try to find it. You should be able to find it, I guess, on YouTube. And it is worth listening to. Beautiful story. But now let's turn our attention to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I want you to take note of something here. Here the angels are in the field. And basically, we're told these shepherds, they lived in the field. The field was their home. This was their job. This was their livelihood. This was their whole life. They would spend basically their whole entire life in a field watching over a flock that they didn't even own in most cases. They were watching some rich man's cattle when they themselves were not very well paid at all. They were very poor. In fact, back in those days, if you had a son and your son told you, Dad, I want to be a shepherd, you'd probably be offended by that. You'd probably be very upset. That would be like uh, a young man today whose parents paid for him a college education and he decides he wants to ride in the back of a garbage truck all day, every day, picking up other people's garbage. You would probably not be very happy about that. Uh, being a shepherd was considered the lowest of all professions back in biblical times. People didn't appreciate the shepherd, even though the work that they did was really very important. Life as the Israelites knew it would not have been possible without the lowly efforts of the shepherd. And of course, most people had no idea what a shepherd really did because they got nowhere near the shepherd. They didn't want to be associated with the shepherd. But it was actually dangerous work at times. You know, David uh, talked to Saul about the time that he fought off a wild bear trying to protect the flock. And so if you were a shepherd, you had to be brave. You had to be strong. You had to be a good fighter, good defender, good protector. You had to have all kinds of skills. Amen. But yet they were considered the lowest on society's scale back in those days. But these shepherds were about to realize this one particular night was going to end up being like no other. This was going to be a night that would end up like no other. Let's take a look at verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Then the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. It says here, You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, 
Notice these angels are appearing to the shepherds in the field. Now, bearing in mind, these shepherds were basically considered social outcasts. They were considered social misfits. The kind of people that nobody else wanted anything to do with. And yet, these are the very people who were among the first people to hear about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Amen. So you can imagine that these shepherds felt pretty special, even though at first they had to be terribly afraid. They probably thought, boy, I tell you, we've been working too many hours this week. When all these angels started appearing to them and talking to them, but once they realized what was happening, they very intently listened to what these angels had to say. And they realized at that moment, this was indeed and in fact like no other night they'd ever encountered. Because these angels were giving them a special invitation to come to Bethlehem to see the birth of the Savior in a cattle barn in Bethlehem. So what is the response of the shepherd? Now, bearing in mind, just as the shepherds had to make a decision, you and I have to make a decision too. Let's see what the shepherds decided. And so it was, the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Now let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all these things, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them, as it was told to them. Now think about this. Here the Shepherds decide to go with haste. In other words, they made a hurried last-minute decision to go to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. When they got there, sure enough, there was a Christ child lying in a manger in a cattle barn, just as the angels had said. And they apparently took time to tell Mary and the others what they had been told by the angels. And it would seem that Mary and others did not really fully understand what the angels had to say. Except that this was obviously a special baby with a special mission, a special assignment from God. But what all this involved, they really didn't know or understand. You know, there's a popular Christmas song this time of the year. It's a song titled, Mary Did You Know? Boy, I tell you, I love that song. And, of course, the answer to that question, there's a lot Mary didn't know or understand. Now, she'd been told a lot herself, 
Remember when the angel appeared unto Mary and told her that she was giving birth to the Christ child. But I'm sure that even there, Mary didn't fully understand everything that was being told to her. She accepted it, she believed it, but she didn't fully understand it. But that night, witnessed by the shepherds, was indeed and in fact a night that changed the world. The world would never again be the same after that night. Now, <laughs> when it comes to the rest of the Christmas story, we cannot help but think about the wise men. Now, I had a professor in the seminary. Uh, he was very much a stickler about the fact that the wise men never appeared at the manger. The wise men never appeared at the manger in Bethlehem. In fact, um, if you were to read on just a little bit further here in Luke chapter 2, you would see where after eight days, the Christ child is taken by Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem. And the idea here is that uh, they are going to be presented to um, the priests. Now, bearing in mind they're still under the Old Testament at this point. They're still under the law. And so the Christ child is presented to the priest, and the time had come for the Christ child to be circumcised, which was the Jewish custom of the day. And so after eight days, it's clear that the Christ child would no longer be in a manger. I was reading just this morning about the Christ child being taken to Jerusalem, and naturally in my mind I'm thinking about how far is it from Bethlehem to Jerusalem? And the answer is not far at all. Not very far at all. Uh, in fact, we're told about four miles, or just a tad over four miles. And that would be really at the farthest point. It might have been a little bit closer than that. In fact, they say modern day times, you can actually walk the distance in hardly any time at all. Uh, in fact, you almost it's almost like walking through a turnstile. It takes almost no time at all. And it's almost as fast going back to Bethlehem. Um, so it could be very easily walked. Now, we're told that when the wise men come to the Christ child, Mary and Joseph and the Christ child, they're in a house. They're not in a manger anymore. They're in somebody's house. Now, the question is, was this house in Jerusalem, or perhaps was it even in Egypt? You'll recall there was a brief time where God directed Mary and Joseph to take the Christ child and go to Egypt. Why? Because King Herod was trying to kill all the babies especially the male babies. And so God told Mary and Joseph to take the Christ child and take that child to, to Egypt. And they did. Now once again, this was actually a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. There was an Old Testament prophecy that said, I have called my son out of Egypt. 
And of course, we know that at some point, Mary and Joseph and uh, the Christ child, they return from Egypt and go presumably back to Nazareth. <laughs> and of course, uh, we're not told much about Jesus until Jesus is about 12 or 13 years old. And he appears in the temple. Mary and Joseph take him to the temple. And there he is seen teaching in the temple and astounding everybody. And that's where he makes the famous statement to Mary and Joseph, I must be about my father's business. Now, it's interesting, after that story, we no longer hear anything more about Joseph. So the idea is that Joseph probably died about the time that Jesus was 12 or 13 years old, right after his bar mitzvah, we would say today. And um, Jesus, as a Jewish lad, would have taken on the responsibility of taking care of his mom. And so from about the age of 12 or 13 to about the age of 30, Joseph would take over Joseph's uh, business, which is that of a carpenter shop. And I'm sure that Jesus made very fine products and sold them at very reasonable prices, and that's how he took care of his mother financially. In fact, Jesus worked many more years as a carpenter than he did as a Bible teacher himself. His earthly ministry spanned only three years, about age 30 to about age 33. And so we can see here that these wise men came later than the others to see the Christ child. They came for the purpose of worshiping the Christ child. Now notice that these wise men, by the way, had to already know something about God. Now we know that Israel was God's chosen people. And certainly God had a very special covenant relationship with Israel. But it would appear that these three kings, or however many kings there were, they were not Jewish. They were not Hebrew. They were apparently from the Orient, which is why it took them a while to get there. But they came there for the purpose of worshiping God. Amen. Now, by the way, I have very many ideas on how these wise men probably knew about God. I'm not going to take time to get into that on this particular podcast. That'll be for another podcast. But they knew about God and they wanted to worship him. And worship him they did. Now, another question I commonly get asked this time of year is, how many wise men were there? Well, commonly... Because of the very famous song, We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we travel so far. I mean, you know the song. (laughs) I'm not the best singer of that song, but you know the song. But because of that song and because three gifts are presented, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, we assume that there were three wise men, but we really don't know. I mean, there could have been five wise men, there could have been ten. I remember hearing about this one lady. She taught a Sunday school class for kids. And it seemed like all the guys wanted to be a wise man. 
Even some of the girls wanted to be a wise man. And the Sunday school teacher said, what to do? I, I think I can only use three. And the pastor very wisely told her, well, we don't really know how many wise men there were. We just assume it was three because of three kinds of gifts that were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But, I mean, there could have been several wise men. And so, basically, she allowed several of the kids, not just three, but several of them, to be wise men. Problem solved. <laughs> Amen. Um, so, that was a very interesting uh, situation. And, of course, I saw a bumper sticker the other day on a car that said, Wise men still seek him. Referring to the fact that wise men still seek Jesus, and that is true. Now, another, another question I get asked at Christmas time is, when was Jesus born? And we don't know the exact date. We don't know the exact time of the year. Uh, my guess is it was probably not December 25th. It was more likely a date in the fall or a date in the spring. We just don't know. But really, when you think about it, it's not even important that we know the exact date and time of Jesus' birth, but rather we rejoice in the fact that God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son to be born in a cattle barn in Bethlehem, to be the savior of the world. We can rejoice in that. We can get excited about that. Amen. I tell you, I get... I, I get goosebumps all over just thinking about it. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, like I say, and by the way, in a literal sense, Christmas was not the birthday of Jesus anyway. It was certainly not the beginning of Jesus' existence because we know that Jesus was present at the very time of creation. You see, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're one. One God manifests in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, do I fully understand that? No, but I accept it because that's what the Bible teaches. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, the most important thing you could do this Christmas season, if you haven't done it already, is to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. That is the most important thing you could do this Christmas season if you haven't done it already. The next best thing you could do for the Christmas season is to tell others about Jesus. There's this one announcer I love to listen to on the radio. It's one of two or three different Christian radio stations I listen to. But this one old man, he works the third shift at this one Christian radio station, and he always says, why not take a step of faith today and tell somebody about Jesus? Amen. Why not take a step of faith today and tell someone about Jesus? That's really the greatest birthday present we could give Jesus, and that is to tell others about Jesus and what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. We get excited about that. Um, well, I do want to take this time to say that I hope that you and your family indeed and in fact have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
And I want you to know that uh, I want you to be praying for this ministry. Uh, there are several new things I would like to try in the new year, 2021. Uh, among other things, I hope that we'll eventually have victory over this um, virus that's going around. It practically consumed the whole year of 2020, and I imagine it will engulf probably pretty much the first half of 2021. But I hope by the end of 2021, this time next year, we will be able to pretty well say goodbye to the COVID-19 crisis and get on to other things. <laughs> and there are certainly other things I would like to see us get on with in the new year ahead. Amen? <laughs> Amen. By the way, if you have a prayer request or a Bible study question, you can contact me at warrenlandis at yahoo.com or warrenlandis at gmail.com. Or if you want to send me a snail mail, you can do so. Warren Landis, 3001, Old Buncombe Road, apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. And by the way, that's apartment number eight. Apartment number eight. That's a very important part. If you don't put apartment number eight there, I probably won't get it. Now, before you close the envelope, I want you to pray about whether the Lord would have you put some money in that envelope and give it to our ministry so that we can seriously plan some expansion in the year 2021. Um, just yesterday, for example, I took time to do a video chat with a friend of mine, and I got to thinking, I said, boy, this is great. I said, this is exciting. I said, I could see myself doing video chats all across America and maybe throughout the world. <laughs> and this particular uh, video chat service says I can select up to eight people at a time to be talking with. I can talk to them. They can ask me questions. And I said, that's a great idea for an online small group. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's just one of the many projects we have planned for the year 2021. Uh, I would like to meet some of you in your churches and maybe speak in some of your churches. That's another thing we can do in 2021. But just simply pray that God will lead, guide, and direct those things that he would have me do. I want to be fully obedient uh, to whatever it is God would have me to do, you know, because I want to be just totally sold out for God. Every year I say pretty much, the same thing at Christmas and New Year's. I say, God, in the new year ahead, help me do more for you than ever before. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's my desire. No matter how many people I tell about Jesus this year, I want to tell even more next year. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hopefully that's your desire too. You know, if you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't see how in the world you can keep quiet about it. <laughs> Amen? Because you're going to want to tell other people. 
In fact, hopefully you're going to want to tell a lot of other people. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do what I do, get in front of a pulpit or a radio mic and, and preach the gospel. But everybody knows somebody that they can tell about Jesus. For example, what about the people you work with? What about the people you go to school with? What about the people you recreate with down at the gym or the park? There's so many different people you can talk to about Jesus. And many of these are people that know you. They don't know your pastor. They don't know anything about your church. But they know you. And you would be ideally in an ideal position to tell these people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can tell them, look, hey, what God has done for me, he would be more than willing to do for you. We can't keep quiet about it. We have to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you show me someone that has no desire to share Jesus with other people, and I'm telling you somebody <laughs> that somebody probably doesn't know Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you're going to want to share Jesus. <laughs> it's just that simple. Well, anyway, we have basically come to another podcast end. On the next podcast, we will get back into our regular Bible study, which will be in the Gospel of Mark. So until then, goodbye, God bless you, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.